Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Fantastic, and uh, thanks to uh, you guys for doing that. Um, when, when uh, I think it was Tim was saying there about Tamisha and saying that, but saying that there's other people here, and you might be thinking, well, not me, but um, you know, God couldn't use me. I really felt actually to to say, um, yeah, you. You know, and actually, the Lord's looking for people with a hand up, and if we're like. I'm here, I'm available, then he'll grab that hand and he'll take you to places and to people and that you could never, you could never dream. You could never imagine the, the possibilities that are in this world for somebody who's just open to God and saying, you know, actually, if you can use anybody, which I look through the Bible, it seems to say you can, then you can use me. And so I'm, I'm making myself available uh, to do that, and there's a there's a guy on his phone. Uh, hello, um, and in the worship, I don't. Sorry, I don't know who you are. Yeah. Yeah, no. Joe, Joseph. He was kneeling down before, and I actually felt, and I don't know, I don't think, I don't know if we've had a conversation before, but I could see you there, and I, I actually felt that to, to encourage you, um, that you could be a teacher. Um, that I actually saw you as being somebody that, that others will follow, particularly younger people. And that as you're going forwards, you've got this group of people around you and behind you who are, who are looking at you, Joe, and it's like, um, they're like brothers and sisters. Um, I don't know if you've got physical brothers and sisters, but they're like uh, other brothers and sisters. And in a way, it was like, you could do a degree or you can do a PGCE. And I feel like God's got you on the PGCE track. He's got you on the thing that the things that you're learning aren't just for you, but they're things that are going to be to teach other people. And so, and as you do that, as you keep moving forwards, you don't have to worry about who's going to follow you because you're going to be somebody that people will will find themselves following. So, um, and uh, yeah, and the, the reason I wanted to kind of do that, and that could be completely wrong, and we can chat about it afterwards and pray together over it, but is to is because we want to be the kind of church that calls out things in people, and speaks things over them, and speaks possibilities, God possibilities, not just good ideas, over them, and to be able to say, you know, here's what I think God sees in you, and we're praying that that will all emerge. Um, you know, as you get close to him, it's like you, the psalm, this series started about being planted. The place where we're planted is where we're going to flourish. If you remember from Psalm 1, and uh, he has those blessings. So we want to be a supernatural church. We want to be a church that isn't just us meeting together in inclusion. We want there to be this overlaying of, of the spirit of God moving and challenging people and raising them up too. I'm speaking about that this evening. At uh, 7 o'clock, I'm going to talk about, we're looking at the first church, the Acts 2 church, which was like the prototype church. And one thing that you have to say about that church is it was a supernatural church. It was just this, you never knew what was going to happen in a church like that. And that's the kind of church that we want to be. If we ever get to the point where you can kind of go, oh, well, this is what will happen next week at church, you can guess that the Holy Spirit kind of moved on. <laughs> because he comes with wind and he comes with fire and he comes with these you know, the tongues of, of just speaking new things to people in new ways. And so we want to be open to that. 
I um, I, haven't got, I don't really want to, I'm not going to read Psalm 8. If you're in a grow group, which I really hope you are, and if not, you know, why not? Um, then you can read it yourself. You can read it yourself if you're not in a grow group. But in the grow groups this week, I know that they're going to be looking at this psalm in detail. So I just wanted to pull out a few things from it, a few little lines that really grabbed me. And it's one of my favourite psalms. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in, in all the earth. And it's like King David who wrote it is this, I always picture him, I don't know whether it was like that, that he was like a shepherd one night, lying, looking up at the stars, and a bit like, if you've never, if you can't imagine that, imagine Lion King and Pumba, and, uh, you know, <laughs> wondering about the stars and where they come from and what they are and all of that. And David's having this kind of lost in space moment. He's just lying there. Have you ever had one of those moments when you just see the vastness? You know, we, we, we live in light pollution kind of place, don't we? But if you get to go out to the countryside sometime and, uh, and, it, and you just see the vast expanse of space that there is. And, you know, and, and David can't even see. He, all he can see is what he can see with his eyes. He doesn't have a telescope. You know, he doesn't get to see the pictures from Hubble. He doesn't have any access to any of that. And yet he looks at the vastness of all that and he's like, he's like, wow, God, that's so big. That's so amazing. And I'm, I'm like tiny. And that can make you feel, like I say, lost in space a little bit. I'm on this planet that they say is spinning around, although I can't really feel it. But, it, and, I'm, and there's all this going on. And, and, and then he, he kind of says, and who am I? You know, it's like, God, you're so big. You're so amazing. Everything that you created is so huge. And I'm so tiny. And, and who am I? And so I want, to, I want to help anybody today who's got into that place ever of feeling a bit lost. And that could be somebody who's never, ever, I don't know everybody here, never, ever said to God, yeah, I fully want to come and follow you and give my life to you from now on. And yeah, use me if you can use me and take me where you want to take me. And, and for that to be a first time thing, it could be for some people that that's it. Um, but it's also possible when I was in the police, if they sent us to a, a, like a, you got a report of a child or somebody missing from home. That's what they called it, MFH. Missing from home was the, the title that we got in the police. To, to, you know, you get a missing from home report. And you'd go looking for somebody who was lost. And the first thing that you did was you looked in the house. You didn't go around door to door and look in all the gardens and everything. The first thing that you always did was you check the house. You make sure there's nobody lost in the house. Because it's possible to be lost in the house. And he'd find somebody down in the cellar or up in the loft or for whatever reason. They'd be, they would be there, a child had crawled under a bed and fallen asleep. There'd be, there'd be, you know, so it's possible to be in the house, as we're going to see as we look at another story today, but be lost. And so God doesn't want any of his children lost. Whether you're out there or whether you're in the house, he wants you to be found. And it's possible to, um, to find yourself uh, lost in space or lost in the house, but God wants us all back. So David's having this, I'm really teeny tiny moment. And, and then he says these, these words, he says, when I consider the heavens, the sun and the moon and the stars, which you've set in place. And his question then was this, what is man? Who are people? Who are we that you are mindful, that you keep us in mind of us? It's like, who am I? When there's all that going on, when you've got, you know, all those planets and all those stars, isn't it a bit ridiculous for me to think that you would even bother about, about me? 
Like, you know, why would you bother with us? Like, we're like these tiny ants. No, we're like, we're like amoeba. No, we're like atoms. We're just, we're just nothing. Aren't we nothing to you? And then it's like he has a moment of revelation because he answers his own question. He goes on and he, it's like he sees something. If we think about the implications of this, this is incredibly profound. He says this about people. He says, you made him, us, a little lower than something. Now, there's debate around the translation of this word. Elohim. You made us a little lower than Elohim. And some translations, if you've got your Bible open, would say you made him a little lower than the angels. Because that's what the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible that this was written on made it angels. And I think that's a kind of false humility thing going on. It's like saying, we can't, we can't really be that close to God. So you, you've made us a little lower than the angels. And angels are pretty cool, aren't they? You know? It's like, you feel good about yourself. Hands up if you think you feel good. Like, you know, people say, well, I'm no angel. Yeah? And it's like, well, I'm no angel, but... Well, that's what, it's like saying that. We're not quite as good as the angels. That's what they translate it as. But actually, that, the word there... Elohim is never ever translated anywhere in the Bible as being angels apart from for some reason here and as I say it's because the translators I couldn't I think couldn't handle how amazing this is because that word Elohim means God it's like you've not just made us a little lower than angels you've made us a little lower than yourself wow how are you ever going to have a problem with self-esteem if you get hold of that? I'm made just a little lower than God. I'm not God. I know I'm not God. I and mean, you know, guess what? God's not threatened by you <laughs> having that sense of high esteem about yourself that you would be, believe that too. Actually, he wants us to know how amazing and special he made us. That he hasn't just made us a little lower than angels. He just made us a little bit lower than himself. Because the problem is, if you start to think that you're only just a little bit lower than angels, actually you might even think of yourself as being a little lower than that. You might even think of yourself as just being on about the same level with all the other animals. And that's how I think a lot of human beings think of themselves. Just a little bit lower than the animals. So what do you do if you're just like an animal? Well, get on Love Island. And, you know, mate. That's it. Eat, sleep, mate, repeat. <laughs> but your dignity is so much higher than to live like that. So David says this, you made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. That's your feet, stamp your feet. Everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and all the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea. He's not saying to dominate them. He's saying you've got dominion over them. To be able to rule over them, to care for them, to look after the planet, all of that. See, right at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, God says out of everything that he made, he made this and he made that and he made this and he made the stars and he made the planet and he made the sun and he made the sea and he made the stars. He made all these different things. And he says it's good, 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 good. But there's only one thing that he made in his own image. And when he made that, it, when he made people, he said, very good. Very good. 
and that's people. We're the only creatures that the creator made to bear his image. So that every person that you ever saw, that you ever locked eyes with, matters. And they matter to God because they bear the image of God. So we're not just a little lower than angels. We're not just down there with the animals. God has exalted us in his creation above, above everything as the pinnacle of its creation. Because we're the only we're the only created beings who are self-aware that can ponder the meaning of our existence there's nothing else there's no you know, I mean dogs can look like they are doing but they're not really they're just thinking about food and sleep and do I get to go for a walk that's it so God made you and me and he said very good but here's the question is that the way it stayed if you look at the world right now is it all very good no. And in terms of the way people are with one another, the way we treat one another, the way nations deal with one another, is that very good? No, something went wrong. Something got lost along the way. How do we find out what got lost? Well, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus one day told a parable. It's actually three stories, but Luke says he told a parable because it's only telling one main truth to get hold of, even though it's three stories. It's very famous in Luke chapter 15. You'd, if you've ever been near church, at some point you're probably going to have heard these stories. First one is a lost sheep. There's a shepherd. He's got, he's got a hundred sheep, but one day he's counting them and he doesn't fall asleep. And that was a joke. Yeah, humour me occasionally with the, you know, just make. Thank you. Hundred sheep. He's counting them. He doesn't fall asleep. Hey, thank you. And he realises that one of them is missing. So he doesn't go, oh, well, you know, still got plenty of sheep. He's like, no, no, I've lost a sheep. And the sheep matter to him. Something important is missing. So he goes and he looks and he seeks until he finds. And when he gets that lost sheep, he's so happy. He picks it up, he puts it on his shoulders. And he dances all the way home. And he gets all the other shepherds and his wife and everybody together. And he says, let's have a party because the one that was lost is found. And Jesus says, in the same way, I tell you, all the angels in heaven rejoice whenever one person turns the course of their life around and comes back to the Father. Like the one matters. That's what that's saying. One person really matters. God doesn't just look out and see a crowd or a city here in Manchester. He sees ones. And he sees lost ones. And they all matter. Everybody matters to God because he's the good shepherd. And the second one is a lady and she's got these ten coins. And what they would do with these coins is they would put them uh, in a necklace or, or in a head, like a, they would put them as like a headpiece in those days. And they would, so the ten coins would be like, you know, uh, decorative. And if one of them's missing, you can see it, can't you? If you've got this thing, it's supposed to have ten in and you've got a hole there, it's going to stand out. And then one day she's looking, she's like, oh, I've lost that coin. I've lost it. And it's like, it's not complete until the one that is lost is found. So she can't just go, oh, well, it doesn't matter. It matters. So what does she do? She puts the light on. She searches the whole house. She looks under the bed. She's, she's everywhere. Even places she knows it can't be, she looks twice. And then when she finds it, she's so happy. It's like, imagine the last time you found your phone. Yeah? And magnify that by a thousand. That's how happy she is. So then she goes and she 
tells all her friends, I lost that. But look, it's back. I found it. It was worth the search. I was so happy when I found it. She tells the story. It's worth celebrating. And then the man had two sons, Jesus says. Story. So we've gone from flock to finance to family. All Fs. And I read a thing where somebody told the story of the prodigal son in the key of F. Sam's heard this already. He's thinking, don't do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Say do it, Sam. Do it. Yes. Here it is. <clears throat> Feeling footloose and frisky, a foolish fellow forced his father to fork out the family farthings. He flew far to foreign fields, frittering father's fortune fast, feasting, fab feasting fabulously with faithless friends. Fleeced by his fellows in folly, finally facing famine, he found himself a feed flinger in a filthy farm. <laughs> Famished and faint, he fain would have filled his frame with foraged food fragments from farmyard fodder. Fooey. <laughs> Father's flunkies fare far finer, the frazzled fugitive forlornly fumbled, frankly facing facts. <laughs> filled with foreboding, he fled forthwith to fall at the feet of father. Focusing from afar, father flew to the figure who forlornly fumbled, Father, I have flunked and fruitlessly forfeited family favour. Father flagged a foreman. Fetch a fatling from the flock. But fault-finding fraternal faithful fellow fumed. His fury flashed. Former failure forgotten. Faithful father fixed. Fugitive found. <laughs> what forbids fervent festivities? Let flags unfurl and fanfares flare. So, Father's forgiveness formed firm foundation for a failure's future fortitude. It's a famous story. <laughs> the younger son leaves everything because he felt like hanging around at home he couldn't wait any longer to spend the money that he'd have when his dad died so he says like you know you're not going to die anytime soon it doesn't look like but just give me the money that would come to me when you died like now so I can go and have fun with it and his dad gives it to him you know it's a horrible thing to say to your dad but he gives it to him anyway and he blows it all and you know the story one day he ends up so hungry he's looking at the pig food that the pigs are eating and he's thinking oh actually not too bad and then he you know that's when he's hit rock bottom he says, at that point, he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's what he's going to say to his father. Because what does he see? He now sees himself as not just a little lower than God, not just a little lower than the angels. He's like, I'm the same as the pigs. I'm down here. Now, here's an interesting thing about the stories. I think about this. When the sheep is lost, the shepherd goes and he looks and he finds it. And when the coin is lost, the woman looks everywhere until she finds it. But when the human being is lost, the father stays at home. Have you ever thought about that? Like, why? Isn't the boy just as valuable as the sheep? Isn't a child in the family just as worth looking for as a coin? Of course. Why would the father let him... You know, just stay lost. Now, you probably don't understand this until you get to become a parent 
of grown-ups. Because that's when you start to understand this. Because any parents who had, especially parents who have ever had a son or a daughter become estranged from them in some way, and that relationship's broken down, would fully be able to understand something of this part of the story. Because this guy, he is no doubt from the story a wealthy man. And he has servants and he has power and he signs pieces of paper and things get done and people go where he wants and all this kind of thing. So what he could have said to his servants was, young Billy has gone to a far country I want you to go and find him and bring him back here. So they could have looked around and gone to the far country and found him sitting in with all the pigs and said, hey, what are you doing here? Your dad wants you. Come on, come home. And he would say, you can't make me. And they'd say, oh, yes, we can. Come on. And they'd grab him by the ear and they'd drag him all the way home and they'd bring him to his home and they'd put him down at the feet of his father and his father says, you wasted all that money I gave you. All that I've worked for, it's all been thrown away. Now I want you to go to your room. Go to your room and think about what you've done. So, and then what would have happened is that the boy would have gone up to his bedroom and he would have sat there and he would have thought, you know what? I'm so, so grateful for the wisdom of older people. I'm so glad that, you know, I have people in my life who can speak into it, who can help me to see the error of my ways. I think I really should go downstairs now and apologise to my dad for being right. When did that ever happen? I'll tell you, never. Because <laughs> I've been him, I've been that boy <laughs> as well, and I know, he would have been up there, if that had happened, he would have been up there, and he would have been thinking, how could my father have humiliated me in such a way? You know, I was, it was just about to get better. I was just about to make it big in pigs. You know, and then he comes and he sends those people. Dad is so embarrassing. Dad is such a loser. I'm, and then he would have been out of the window and straight back to pigland. Is that, is that the case? Because here's the difference. There is a difference between a sheep and a coin and a person. What's the difference? The person has choice. Free will. So you could just pick up a sheep and bring it home and you can pick up a coin and put it in the purse or whatever. But a person, you can't just pick them up and bring them. They have to decide. They have to choose. Because, you know, see, this is how God's like with us. Because like a, a son could say to the father, you can't make me. We can say to God, even though you made me, you can't make me. See, the whole universe has got no choice. God made it all to glorify himself. It all brings glory to him. That's what, as David looked at the stars and all of the, you know, thought about the, the universe and everything, I, re I read something that said that every black hole constantly sings a B-flat isn't that amazing? It was just in this science journal. It's like, wow. That every, all the galaxies are declaring the glory of God all the time. They have no choice but to do so. The planet that we've been given responsibility for all glorifies God. Everything that ever made you go, wow, should make us also look up and go, wow, God. It's like we've not finished wowing until we've looked up and been grateful to God who made it. The physical laws... Of, uh, they all glorify God. You know, for years people couldn't figure out why it was that apples kept 
falling on their heads when they sat under apple trees. And then they learned, don't sit under apple trees. <laughs> and David sang, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place. And he didn't even know. I mean, we don't even know. The thing is, even now, we think, oh yeah, well, he didn't even know. I just read something that said, we pretty much know about 4%. That's what scientists who are humble enough to admit it will say. We know about 4%. You know, talk about the known universe. It's 4%. We're not that clever. And when God made human beings, he made us higher. And part of the reason of us being higher is we get to choose whether or not to give him glory. And we can say yes or we can say no, because even though he made you, he won't make you. And what does the God of the universe, who made everything, what does he say to somebody who says, leave me alone? He'll leave you alone. Because God doesn't treat us like coins or sheep. He has the dignity of making us to reflect his image. And he's a dad and we're his children and he loves us. But if, if God started to treat people like sheep and just picked us up and dragged us back or, or coins and just picked us up and pulled us back, he, once he takes away your dignity, he also takes away your destiny. And, and what is the response? We have a word for the response that's appropriate. It's love. That's the appropriate response. And it's voluntarily given. And vulnerably requested. Love can't be forced or it ceases to be loved. Some of the worst words we can imagine in our language are reserved for the time when anybody would force love on somebody else. God would never, ever do that to you. I remember the first time I asked Zoe... I said to Zoe, I, I love you. I've been thinking about saying it for a while. I can remember where I was standing. I can remember the time. And I was like, I'm going to tell her. I'm going to tell her. I was like, I love you. <laughs> and she stood there and she went, what am, what am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? What's the only appropriate response? I love you too. Yeah. She said, I'm very fond of you. <laughs> Which is nice. <laughs> we have the dignity of response. Could the God who made the whole universe... Take a battering ram to your heart and knock down the resistance in your life. Of course he could. Some people might say, well, if God, you know, if he really showed me, if God sent like angels to come and dance at the bottom of the bed and put lights on really loud and then his voice came and said, oh, God says, follow me or whatever, then I would. Yeah. I'd do it if that was it. But it wouldn't be love because there'd be no choice. You know, if he's like, well, if God... If I want out of here and there was words written in the sky, Jesus loves you, follow him, then I'd do it. God could do that. God, could God do that? Yeah. yeah. But if he did, that's forcing it. Would it be love? Either way. No. Because you have choice. And some people would just say, oh, that's just clouds. Even if that happened. 
So the boy has wasted everything. He's looking at the pig food. What does the father do? Here's what he does. He hopes and he watches and he longs for that boy and he waits. Because ultimately that's all he can do. Because he, he knows that the boy knows that he loves him. And he waits until, Jesus said, one day the son came to his senses. Why? Because it all failed. Sometimes the worst thing that can happen turns out to be the best thing that ever happened. You think it's the worst thing that ever happened. And it, and it, but if we can find ourselves in that pigsty and look around and can think, you know what? This is a pigsty. You know? I mean, you might have looked around your flat sometimes or whatever and kind of go. Right, but, you know, <laughs> but genuinely, I'm living in a pigsty. I was made for more than this. So then he says, I'm going to turn around, I'm going to go to my father, and I'm going to say to him, and he's got a story of what he, what's going on here. He says, I'm going to go to my father, I'm going to say, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'll make it sound religious, and actually what he said was true, because he did sin against heaven and against his dad, because when you sin against people, you don't just sin against people, you also sin against God. So that bit was true, but then the next bit, is this true? He says, I'm going to say, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Is that true? No. Because in any healthy family, when did anybody ever have to be worthy to be a child? Maybe you were brought up in a family where you were made at times to feel like you didn't quite cut it or you weren't worthy or whatever. But this is a different kind of family to that. You're not, it's because he, he's, he's worthy. <laughs> we get to belong in this family. He says, see, where does that kind of thinking lead? He says this, make me as one of your hired servants. It's like, I can't be a son, just make me a slave. See, you can actually believe, maybe, that his father will forgive him enough to make him a slave. But he doesn't think he's ever going to be loved enough to be a son, to be a child again. But then Jesus says this, while he was still a long way off. That's one of my favourite verses in the Bible. Don't you just love that? While he was still, why, why does his father see him when he's a long way off? Because he was watching, because he was waiting, because he was loving. While he was still a long way off. And another reason is, the reason that he doesn't wait one more minute is because I've read this. That, that sometimes what would happen in those kind of societies was that you sinned. When you sinned like that against an important person in the village, it was like you sinned against the whole village. So the village elders might come out and if there was a sinner who was approaching the village, they would go out to that person and they would stop them and say, you're not allowed here, you've brought shame on this whole village. And they would block them from coming back. So some people have said the reason the father runs is he wants to get there before the accusers. And he hugs him, even though he smells. And he hasn't got links on. Which is what men do to cover up all kinds of smells. <laughs> <laughs> and he kisses him. And he says, quick, he's home. Bring my robe. Put some sandals on his feet. Put my ring on his finger. All of those signs that he's a son. Because it's party time. The boy's come home. My child's come home. He was like he was dead and now he's alive again. We're going to have a barbie. We're going to have a party. 
And see, all the time the boy's walking home, rehearsing his speech, thinking he's going to be shunned, he's going to be shamed, he's going to be a slave. But then his dad tells a different story that is, you are home, you are loved, you are celebrated, you are a child. Now, this, now the boy has to decide which story he'll live in. And we do too. Are you just, if you're a Christian, say, do you think of yourself as being just a, a forgiven slave? Or a celebrated child. Now remember, there's an older brother too. And he walks into the party and he unplugs the stereo. And he's like, what's going on here? Music and dancing and fun. And everybody's like, it's your brother, he's home, he's safe. Your dad's throwing a party, it's brilliant. He's like, he's furious. He's really angry about it. And he shouts at his dad and he says to him, I've been a good boy all my life. Who do you think fed that calf everybody's eating? You took my stuff. I've got an older brother, so I can picture this. You took my stuff and you gave it to that waster. You never even gave me a skinny little goat all the time. All these years I've been slaving away for you. I've worked my fingers to the bone for you. I've always proved myself worthy of being your son. And now you're embarrassing the whole family by having him back. See, what's, what's his attitude? What's he been saving up? All that resentment. How's he seen himself all these years? And now he's standing outside refusing to join the party saying, he's still, you see, he's, he thinks he's the son, but really he's the slave. It's possible to be lost in the house. Isn't it? When we start to think it's about, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to serve in church and I've got this, oh, now they want me to be on this team or that team. It's like, you've got to resist the slave mentality and choose it. Choose to serve as a son. Absolutely different. And it's all about how you view your father. See, he's like, my father's stingy, he's begrudging, he wouldn't even give me a goat. My brother gets everything. I don't get, any, I don't get anything. It's not fair. And dad's like, yeah, you know, it's not fair, it's called grace. Do you want fair or do you want grace? See, it's not about fair, it's about love. It's not about what he did when he went away, it's what he did when he came back. He came back. And he's way more important to me than money. He's my son, he's my child. That's why we had to celebrate. And he looks, and he, all of a sudden, you can just imagine him shaking with anger. But then he says these words, which I think if we could get these... Write it down somewhere. If you, I don't agree with tattoos, but if you did, get it tattooed. Put these words on. My son, he says, he says, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. How would it change your life? If you got that like, written on here with tattoos that come off. <laughs> yeah? Everything I have is yours. Yeah? No, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. For you to walk out into the world like that, knowing that that's what God says about you and me. I'm always with him. And everything, everything that he's got is mine. How amazing is that? Do you see God like that? That's how a child in the house sees themselves. My father's always with me, everything that he has. 
belongs to me. All you've got to do is ask. That's where Seth the older son. It's all there for you. All you have to do is ask. Why don't you ask? Ask. It's there. Nobody's stopping you. There's nothing stopping you. And you don't get a party because you deserve one. You get one because somebody loves you. That's the difference between sheep and coins and human beings. We choose. Or we can say, well, you made me, but you can't make me. So I'm going to, in a moment, invite you to stand up and to put a hand up in the air, whether you feel like for the first time I want to come back and that's it, I'm giving myself to you and coming back into the house and I've wandered away in some other stuff and been in a far country or whatever, I want to come back and do that. That's like one way of doing it. And the other way is just to put your hand on your heart and say, God, I feel like maybe at times I've been lost in the house and it's become more like being a slave than being a son for me at times or being, you know, not being your child and even the things that I've been doing at times I've been begrudging it or getting a wrong picture of you as a result of it because this is like the RSVP the party's there the party's on, will you come to the party will you? isn't it amazing that the way in which this is all described, Christianity not just heaven when you die but that now is described as being a party when you invite people to come to this, it don't come to church it's like you come to the party we're having a good time. We've got a great community. We've got amazing things going on. You, you can come if you want. No pressure. But you're welcome. So, I think if the band want to come up, that'd be good. And um, as I think Roscoe had us do before, just think about the cross. Think about that total vulnerability of Jesus saying, I love you. That's what he's saying on the cross. That's what God is saying on the cross. I love you. What's your response to that? Are you very fond of him? Zoe loves me, don't you? I love Zoe. But it's like he's looking for the full on. He's looking for that, that, you know, Roscoe describes so brilliantly for us that love that comes our way. And a little bit of, oh yeah, yeah, thanks Jesus. It's not enough. He's looking for a full laying down of our lives. Back to him and giving it all back to him. So uh, if you're able to stand, why don't you stand? And again, this is all free will, dignity of response is down to you. But the, the whole thing is that, that we don't just see this as being, as I'm, for, you know, all right, well, now God has to forgive me and then I get in. It's no, you're not just forgiven, you're restored. You're celebrated. You're loved. You, you have this place now to make decisions about today and the future from the place of, well, I have a heavenly father and he loves me. And he's always with me. Why do you say that? Right, we'll say it like we kind of mean it. Okay, so the heavenly father, say this, the heavenly father, my heavenly father, is always with me. Let that settle him. This week, wherever you go, whatever you do, right here and now. Say it one more time. My heavenly Father is always with me. And everything he has is mine. What could you do? What couldn't you do? What would you attempt? What adventures? 
open up before somebody who's that secure, who's that loved, who's that esteemed. And Lord, I break the power in Jesus' name of lies that we've told ourselves or others have told us that would hold us back that would make us just feel lost in space and tiny and insignificant. Lord, we want to hold on to that from a, a humility point of view, but at the same time, we want to step into the true humility of knowing, yes, but I am a child of God. My heavenly Father, he loves me and he celebrates me. And if you've never done this before, I invite you just to stick up a hand and come back to him and to give your full life back to him with a hand raised up in the air so I can pray for you. And that's like saying, I'm going to come back into the party. I'm saying yes to the party. And I've wandered away and got lost a bit, but I'm coming back home to that father. And just put up a hand if you wanted to do that. Yeah, anybody else? Just to come and give your life back to Jesus. Coming home to you. Thank you, Jesus. Fully coming back to you. Yes, Lord. We don't have to rehearse a speech. We don't have to say, I'm going to get it all right from now on. I'm going to try harder and be better. We just got to turn around and say, I'm going to come home to my father. Anybody else wanting to do that? Thank you, Jesus. And then, if you've ever felt and you just want to own up to it, just a bit lost in the house. Been like, I don't even know why I do this or I'm not getting the ministry stuff that I wanted. I'm not getting the place that I desire. I'm not getting that. Just be honest to God about that. If there's, you know, sometimes it's all right just to stand in front of the Father and express that frustration as long as we don't stay there. Just own up to it. Put your hand on your heart. Well, take away that sense of being forgotten or misused by you or misunderstood in some way, Lord. Please deal with that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you come now to do that. Lord, help me to know who you really are and who I really am. Let this be a church, Lord, that's full of really secure disciples who are sons and daughters in the house, not slaves having to work away, but people who choose to serve out of gratitude for being sons and daughters. Just fix anything in our hearts and minds, Lord, that would hold us back from that. Don't want to rush that. Let the Holy Spirit come and minister to it. Don't deny it if it's true. if we deny it it's going to stay true just own up to that frustration that can sometimes look at other people's things and wish I had what they'd got that comparison that makes me feel smaller compared with them Lord I don't want any of that in me I want to know that you value me I receive that I'm, a pr I'm valued I'm accepted I'm loved I'm in your house. He wants us to come in the house to live under his roof, to wake up every morning under his roof, in his home, in say, this is our home, this is my home.
It's where I get to live, under this shelter, under this covering of love, under the shelter, the shadow of his wing. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.